today. We're going to talk about blessed to be a blessing. We're studying the Holy Spirit. And I'm really excited about this because John 15 is not necessarily a passage where we really think or think of it as a Holy Spirit passage, but I'm going to tell you and show you through God's Word how the Holy Spirit is all through that vine, all flowing through the vine and into the branches and bearing fruit. So we're going to be looking at John 15. We're going to talk about blessed to be a blessing. Here's what I, I'm going to tell you the big picture first, and then we're going to see it unfold before our eyes. The Holy Spirit blesses you. In such an amazing, powerful way that, that being blessed by the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden that blessing in your life begins to overflow and be a blessing to everyone around you. God blesses you, and while He's blessing you, you automatically begin to bless others and don't even know it. It's amazing, and we're going to see that through the passage. So in John chapter 15, Jesus offers us a visual illustration, okay? He offers us a visual illustration which really focuses what we're going to talk about and what we ended with last week is sanctification of the believer. So we're going to see the sanctification of the believer, and sanctification is a process where the Holy Spirit is separating you from the world. You're going to look different than the rest of of the world. That's sanctification. And so we're going to be blessed to be a blessing. All right, so here we go. John 15 verse 1. I love this. I am the true vine. So this is Jesus speaking. He's teaching people and what he's teaching them is a visual aid of what a believer looks like. What does this whole Christian thing look like? He says it's like this. So what what Jesus did so well is he told parables, he told stories, he did figurative teaching, and what this is, is this is a picture. So he's like, I want you to see visually what this looks like. So here he goes, he goes, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He, this is the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So when we look at the, the father is going to be, the, the father who represents this gardener is going to do two things. He's going to cut off and prune. We'll talk about pruning next, but first, he cuts off. So cuts off, you can see the definition behind me, uh, and, and what this means is he's cutting off dead branches. Pretty, pretty tough, tough, tough statement, isn't it? When we read that, we're like, well, that doesn't sound very fun. Now, if any of you have ever, does any, does any of you guys garden at all? I had to ask my wife because I don't, I don't garden. Um, I killed our love fern. So, um, I, I uh, you know, I'm not a gardener. She likes to garden. Um, I like to use the brush hog at the end of the season and fire and tear it all up and start over. Um, but when you have a tomato plant and you really want that tomato plant to, to give you fruit, which is tomatoes, right? I want, I want it to do what it's supposed to do and I want it to give me what I want to give. And there's a branch on there that turns, turns black and the leaves fall off and it's all crumbly. Well, what do you do? You, you cut that off, right? You cut it off so that it doesn't take life from the plant. If you don't, then how often have you found that if you leave that, then the next one next to it starts to die. And the one next to it starts to die. And before long, 
the whole plant begins to die, right? So what happens is because the Father loves us and He loves the vine and He loves what this is supposed to do, He removes dead stuff. When it, when it says He cuts off branches that bear no... He's cutting off the dead stuff. He's saying, listen, i got to remove. I love you and I wish that this dead thing wasn't dead, but it's not my choice. They made a choice. They're dead all on their own and I have to remove the dead thing from the live thing so that the dead thing doesn't ruin the live thing. So one of the things that I want you to see straight out of the gate is how amazing our Father is. He says, I love you, and I want you to be fruitful, and so I'm going to remove the dead things from around you. My encouragement to all is just make sure you're not the dead thing. Amen? The second thing we see the gardener, the Father, do, he says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So here's the father. He's removing the dead stuff so it doesn't affect the live stuff. And now the live stuff, he looks at this and he says, man, I want you to be even more fruitful, so I'm going to prune you. And what pruning is, is it's taking off little parts of that branch that just don't need to be there. In a Christian life, don't you have some things in your life that just don't need to be there? You guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you have a struggle with some, some, some not saying the best of words. Maybe you got a little bit of an anger issue. Maybe uh, we've got a little bit of a jealousy issue or an unforgiving issue, but we've got some issues in our life. And so what the pruning is doing is saying, you know what? I'm going to help you be more fruitful in your life, and I'm going I'm to begin to convict you, and I'm going to get you to start realizing that you don't need to be using that language anymore. And I, I'm going I'm to work in your life, and now I'm going to start taking away, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. We're going to work really hard to get rid of that addiction. And what the Holy Spirit begins to do uh, through the Father here, the Father is, is removing, and this is called pruning. He's taking away those things that don't need to be there so that you will be more fruitful in your life. Pretty neat, right? So I want you to take a note of the Greek word here. Kathaari, I don't know if that's really, but it's all Greek to us, right? So here's the deal is, is it means to make clean, but I do want you to remember that word because we're about to see it again or a close representation. But I want you to also know that in Greek, this is present tense, meaning this, the Father's always pruning. <laughs> you guys, some of you feel that, right? It's like, whoo, I come to church and he works on me. And then I show up the next day, and what, what, what happens? He works on me again, and I show up again. And every time we show up, what's God doing? He's working on us because he never stops pruning us. And you prune because you love and you care about the plant. If you don't care about the plant, you'll just let the plant go. Whether it's got dead stuff in it, you'll leave them alone. Whatever, I don't care. Because you don't care, right? And if you leave the dead stuff on, it kills that whole plant. Well, you move to the next plant, and you say, well, it should be pruned, but I don't really care, and I don't, really get, I don't care if I get very much fruit from it at all. But the more you care, the more you take care of that plant, right? You guys know what I'm talking about if you guys like that stuff. All right, so how does the Father prune me? That's a big question. I was like sitting here, I, I know what cutting off, that means a total separation. He's removing it out of the whole picture. But what does biblical pruning look like? What does it look like when God begins to prune me, work on me? That's a good question, right? And I love how God, every time I'm asking questions, God always ends up answering it in the Word. Look at this. You are clean. You are already clean. You're already clean. You see how I put in parentheses next to that word, the Greek word? 
because of the word I have spoken to you. So the word pruning in verse 2 is katha'ari. That's the verb form. Here you are already clean, adjective form. Oh, look. Aren't those, Greek, those two Greek words are very close, aren't they? They have the same Greek root that means to be made pure, to be clean. What he's saying is, I'm going to be pruning you. He's always pruning. And then what he says here is, I've all, you are already pruned. What? You're already clean. But here's the thing is, we're still dealing with present tense. Means this. It doesn't say you were cleaned, never to be cleaned again. It's you are in this process of being, you're clean, but we're continuously cleaning you. You are already clean, being clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, who's talking? Jesus. Jesus is saying, I've been pruning you all along because I'm pruning you through the word of God. You are pruned through the word of God. You're stretched, you're challenged, you're corrected, rebuked, and then encouraged, right? I mean, all of that, right? So when you come to church, sometimes you're receiving encouragement going, woohoo, I'm on track. The next time, you're like, man, I shouldn't have wore flip-flops, my toes are smashed into the ground. But what happens is the Word of God is how the Father prunes us. Those are the pruning shears. The Word of God is saying, hey, I'm going to take a little snip. Hey, you know what? I didn't need to make a snip this week. I'm going to pat you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. How amazing is it that the Word of God is what's going to do its work? The Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, is using the Word of God to prune us, to make us clean so that we will be even more fruitful. Isn't that pretty remarkable when you start thinking about it? The thing that what makes me think about when we're talking about the Word of God is that there's no other... There's, in fact, to call the Bible a book is an insult to the Bible. There's no other book like this. In, in all of history... No matter what religious book, you want to get the Quran, fine, go get it. It was written by one man over a course of one lifetime. This, 1,500 years, by many, many, many people, three different languages, all these guys, we had kings, we had prisoners, we had people who was in prison writing them, we had rich people, poor people, every kind of person you could think about is involved in making this happen right here. And what the Bible says about itself is this is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to cut through bone and marrow even to the soul. What that means is this. This Bible can cut through the hardness of your skin and your chest bone and go straight to the heart of the matter. Isn't it amazing that it can do that? How many of you could testify today that the Word of God has done some pruning in your life? All right, so just about every one of you is saved in this room. Praise God. So here's the deal is that's what the word, so, what it, so what's so neat is that, hey, my father, he's the gardener. He's cutting off the dead stuff and he's pruning the good stuff. And how he prunes you is through the word of God. All right, we're getting somewhere. What does being fruitful, though, 
have to do with being made clean? That's the question that, that we're going we're gonna to be looking at. See, to, to prune or to make clean, I'm wanting you to understand the pruning process is the sanctification process. We know that the sanctification process is, is a process that the Holy Spirit continues to work. In fact, in John 14, it talks about how the Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm going to teach you and remind you all the words that Jesus spoke to you. We know that the words of Jesus are the ones that do the pruning. See how the Holy Spirit's involved? So, what does being fruitful, though? Because he says, I'm going to prune every branch that's fruitful. Well, what does pruning and fruitful? Well, anyone who has a garden, again, you know that when you prune these little branches, they bear more and better fruit. Am I right? I mean, help correct me if I'm not, because I'm not a gardener. Remember, I killed the love fern, Okay. This is our love, and you killed it. You know, so you're all like, no, Barbara would never do that. She'd be like, you're done with the plants. That's my job now. You're fired. Okay, that's how it would have been. So verses 4 and 5. So here we go, guys. Remain in me. So we keep walking through this passage of John 15. We know that Jesus is the true vine. We know that the Father is the gardener. We know that he's doing two things. He's cutting off dead stuff and he's pruning the live stuff now then jesus comes in and he says remain in me so now the father's doing his part now this is the vines part remain in me as i also remain in you no branch everyone say no branch no branch can bear fruit by itself so those branches that were cut off guess what they can't do bear fruit they can't bear fruit apart from me so no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me just in case they got too confused with thinking that it was a a um would it be a botany class isn't that botany plants did i get something right yes all right good all right Glad I'm not wrong. All right, so everybody might be listening to Jesus going, what is, is, is this? I didn't sign up for Gardening 101. I thought I was coming to learn about the, a Christian believer and the sanctification process, and I feel like we're dealing with gardening right here. And all the gardeners in the room are like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to do that. Cut off those branches and prune those. Okay, this is good. My garden's going to be awesome this year. But what he says is, neither can you. As an individual person, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Then he repeats the same thing. Isn't it amazing how Jesus keeps repeating, like, in case you didn't get it? In case you... I am the vine. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like Jesus like, listen, I need you to get this. I don't think that verse 4 was enough, so I'm going to do it again. I am the vine, you are the... Don't get confused who's the vine and who's the branches. So if maybe there's a lot of fruit going on in your life, you need to have a wake-up call. You're not the vine. You're not God. You're the branch. So maybe God's blessing you a lot in your life right now, and you think you're some big stuff. You're not. Okay? It's a good reminder for us to remember who's God and who's not. That's like the first step of CR. If anybody needs to get involved in CR, that's the first principle. First, admit, realize I'm not God. That's number one. Because what we like to do is we like, well, I know I'm not God, but I like to be in control of everything. 
It's hard to let go of control, isn't it? Control's the hardest thing to let go of because then I'm making myself a little vulnerable here. Now I'm going to have to follow. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Come follow me, right? So I am the vine, you are the branches. If, see this guys, when I highlighted this, one of the things that you're going to see throughout the rest of this passage, and we're only going to like verse 12, so we're, we're making pretty good time actually. Yep, kind of. Um, so one of the things that I'm wanting you to, 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 to make sure that you see is this. This is a conditional promise. If you do something, then something else is going to happen. A conditional promise says, if you do your part, I will promise to do my part. So here's the condition. If, that's the word I circle, if you remain in me and I in you, then, that's the, I put that in, in, in squares because that wasn't actually there, it just says you, but I'm putting the implied word there, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Okay? Now, I'm going to explain it with a circle and a line. All right? That's, I mean, there's, if you remain, I mean, like, guys, this is your job. This is it. My job is not bearing fruit. Guess what? Because I'm going to tell you, you can't bear the fruit. It's not your fruit. Your job, our job as a believer is simple. Remain in him. That's it. Remain in him and everything else is going to happen. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You see what it says? He didn't say, hey, bear fruit and then I'll let you in. I'll let you hang on to me. He goes, no, if you remain. So the conditional promise is if you remain in Christ, then you will bear much fruit. See, what I love about this passage is this is simplifying everything. This is making everything so simple. We walk around like, man, I got to bear fruit. I got to bear. No, 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 no. No, you remain in Him. You remain in Him. And the fruit is going to be a byproduct of you remaining in Him. Fruit's just going to happen. It, you don't even have to understand it. If you remove the dead stuff and you prove the stuff out of the way, the fruit's just going to come. I don't understand it. I'm not a plant. But it's going to happen. So in the same way in your life, if you remain in Christ, fruit will happen. And it will happen and a lot of it will happen. Your job, my friends, isn't it amazing when we start going, wow, God's not saying, I, I want you to do, here's the ten things that I want you to do. He's like, here's one thing I want you to do, and the one thing that I'm wanting you to do right now is this, remain in me. If you can get that part down, I'll give you another assignment. So the first assignment, remain in him. Man, I love how God makes it so simple for us. It's kind of like he knew that we'd be a lot of children. We'd be like a lot of children, right? The children are like, don't complicate it for the kids, Keep it real simple and repeat yourself a lot. Jesus is already doing that. <laughs> Isn't it great? All right, so it's present tense, which means, so, so what's happening here is, is it's in present tense so that remaining in him is not remaining in him on a Sunday morning. See, present tense means it's, this is something that's always happening in your life. So guys, here's what a lot of believers do, and I'm going to put that in my little finger quotations. What we often have a habit of doing is this. We go to church, 
We remain in Him for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, and then we go do whatever it is that we want to do the rest of the week. So we remain in Him for about, maybe if we come to Sunday school, we got three hours. Come on. If we don't, we got about, depending on how long-winded the preacher is, we might have a couple in there. And then we just go and do other things. And so what happens is this, if I'm, I am not to just, the fruit doesn't come because I stayed in him for about two hours. This says is you are commanded by God to remain in him 24-7, seven days a week, 12 months a year, 365 days a year. One time I said 356 and they're like, you're missing a couple of days. Well, I'm just giving myself some room for error here. My job is to remain in Him. And it's not just a one time. It's, it's this constant thing. I am to live. So the word minnow, the remain, is like where you would make your home. So you are to make your home in God. I am to make my home, my heart. So a lot of the Bible talks about, like when we talk about salvation, when we invite Jesus into what? My heart, right? We're saying, you know, in, in, in Revelation it says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. It's like Jesus is knocking at your heart's door and he says, let me in. And here's what this is literally saying is this, I am to remain in him. So here's the deal, live in me. Not just a little, couple of hours to feel good on a Sunday morning, but live in me. And me in you. And everything else is going to work out just fine. I'm telling you, that's what's so amazing. Well, does this fruit come from within me? If not, where does it come from? Whom does it? So when we're talking about this fruit, because this, this verse keeps coming back to bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. And it really makes us think that it's all about bearing fruit, when really it's all about remaining in Him. The fruit just comes. If the Father is the gardener, the Son is the vine, then who is the one that's bearing fruit? Because it's not me, remember? Think about it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if I'm not remaining in God or in Christ here, I'm not bearing fruit. So guess what that tells me? The fruit doesn't come from me. Can we be in agreement on that? Because this is huge. So what happens is this. So the the answer is where does this fruit come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. When you start thinking about what is fruit, there is one passage that stands above them all, Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit. I want you to think about this. Throughout the Bible, it says you'll be known by your fruit, but it never tells us what the fruit is. And Jesus, when he taught the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, in chapter 7 of Matthew, he says, you'll be known by your fruit. But he doesn't tell us what the fruit is. Here again, in, in John 15, he says, hey, here in John 15, he says, hey, I am, the, I am the vine, you are the branch. Every branch that remains in me will bear fruit. But he doesn't tell us what the fruit is. So you're sitting here going, Man, I would love to know what some fruit is. What is this fruit? But in the book of Galatians, it tells us that if we will walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify 
the desires of our flesh, and then it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. It's telling us what the fruit is. Here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is kind of written, it, it, not kind of, it's written in cursive. I thought about that earlier. I'm like, well, there might be, my, my kids don't all know how to read in cursive yet. I don't think that they're teaching it as much as they used to. But um, I just read it to you, so now there's, there's no reason. Now, <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to think about this. I thought it was really pretty is what I thought. I was like, oh, it's a pretty picture, pretty writing. We'll just put it all together. Um, yeah, that happened. <laughs> Can't believe I just talked about something being pretty, and then that's what I did. I feel you're, you're going to take my man card, aren't you? <laughs> Jeff's like, it's gone. Get ready. Get ready. It's going to be gone. My man card's gone. Oh, it's pretty. Yep, it's gone. I want you to look at each one of these characteristics. Do you understand yet what it means to be blessed to be a blessing? I want you to think about this. If I remain in Christ, He remains in me and I bear fruit. Again, we already know that the fruit's not mine. So the fruit's coming from somebody else. And the only other place in the Bible that talks about fruit and where it comes from is this passage right here. Right? Right? Isn't that awesome? Okay, so this is what it's saying is, here's the fruit. If I remain in Christ, here's what's going to happen in my life and out of my life. I'm going to be filled with love. I'm going to be filled with joy. Now, I want you to think about this. If you are filled, not with what you think joy is, but if you are filled with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit, that kind of joy, you know what I'm saying? That where you're just like, you're, you're glowing with the joy of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, now, what I would want you to think about is this. When you have that joy going in your life, that's what's going on. I'm in Jesus. Jesus is in me. And everything is good. It's an awesome day. Guess what? That joy that's going through you is already affecting the people around you. If you are in God's joy... Your spouse is digging it right now. They're like, thank you, Lord. This joy is so much better than anger. It's so much better than them moping around all day. And here's the deal is when God loves you, it enables you to love others. He says, I love you first. So here's the deal is God loved you first, and in which that love then enables you to love others. When God's love is being poured onto you, it just overflows to whoever's around you. When I'm wanting you to understand, when you're bearing much fruit, it's because the Holy Spirit is all over your life and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control is just overflowing out of your life and over into everyone that's surrounding you, their life. To me, it's the most beautiful picture because, you know, when I think about grapes, what I love about grapes is it's not just one, you know, one individual, like an apple. I bite of the apple and I'm like, hey, I want to share with you. And my, my kids are like, no, that's gross. They'll share with me after they're done. Here, Dad, you can finish the core, you know. But, but you know, it's kind of weird if I had an apple here today and I just passed, I took a bite and I passed it around. There's probably only James would eat after me for sure. But, you know, not, not everybody would be like, that's kind of weird and gross and that's how we spread germs, but if I had a cluster of grapes 
and I was, everybody would take one. And what happens is, is I think that this, this being the vine and the grapevine, not only was it relevant to the culture that they're at, it's also a great visualization of understanding that all of these fruits, all of these are like an individual grape that I'm getting to not only that I got to participate, I got it from God and now I'm able to give it. Wouldn't it be amazing that the joy that God gives you, you were able to share with others? And the love that you received from God, you were able to share with others. That's the whole point of this passage. He's saying, you can't do it by yourself. Ain't going to happen. You have to remain in the vine. If you remain in the vine, then you will be able. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's flowing right through that vine, right down the branch saying, let's do this. Let's love somebody. Let's have some joy. Let's have some peace in this house. Let's have some patience. I'll tell you what, my my kids test that fruit. And all the parents said, all right, you know what I'm talking about. There's sometimes I'm like, man, Holy Spirit, I need some more of that one because that's the smallest little grape in this whole cluster of grapes is the patience one. I need some more of that. I'm going to hold on. So, so here's the thing. Is when, I, when I think about remaining in the vine, sometimes in our life it's just like just desperately holding on to Christ. For, you know, like the storm's here and, and God, all I can do right now is hold on to you. Has, has any of you ever been in that part of your life where all you can do And guess what? That's all that God ever asks you to do. All He asks you to do is to remain in the vine. He didn't say, I want you to go conquer the world. He didn't say here that, hey, I want you to go and you are going to make all this fruit happen. And then if you do it right, I'll let you be a part of me. No, He says, I just want you to remain in me and all of that will happen. So I'm going to keep going here. You guys ready? We understand where this is coming from, what this looks like. This is awesome. Love it. All right, now Jesus gives a warning in verse 6. He says this, condition, another conditional promise. If you do not remain in me, right? This is the do not. If you don't, all right? So if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire. Here's the, here's the you know, when, I, when you think about this, who is this conditional promise dependent upon? I want you to look at it. If you do not remain in me. He doesn't say, if you do not remain in me and I do not remain. He goes this. Uh, he's making a promise to you. He's saying, if you, the conditional promise is this is all on your shoulders. If you do not remain in me. See, here's the promise that Jesus has already made you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So Jesus has already promised you that he would never leave you or forsake you. So he's putting this on you. If you do not remain in me. See, he's not saying, he, he's not telling you that he may not remain in you. He's like, no, this, this is not going to be, I'm not, Jesus is saying this, I'm not the one that's going to leave you. Jesus is not the one who's going to do the leaving in this relationship. I promise you that. (laughs) All right. All right. I was expecting more, but that's all right. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mom. (laughs) But look at what it says. You... If you do not remain in him, then you'll be like a branch that's thrown away. But I want you to look at really the word that I wanted you to see is withers. 
Have you ever taken some time away from God and you just kind of like, I'm just going to, I think I'm going to do this on my own, right? And you did the prodigal child, you did the walking away thing, right? Didn't it feel like withering? Like you just slowly withered away. One week missing church, missing stuff, you know, sitting in your anger, you know, you kind of stewed a little bit. Maybe you didn't feel a lot different, but then all of a sudden it just felt like the longer, the longer, the longer, the longer, then all of a sudden you just felt like this thing that was withering away. And that's what the promise is. If you don't remain in Christ, you're going to slowly wither, you're going to die, and you're going to be thrown out. Not because that's what God wants to do, that's because you did it. See, here's the deal. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I'm kicking you out of here. He says, if you don't remain, you're the one who separated yourself. You're the one who walked away. You're the one who decided, I want to do this on my own, and I'm going to do this my way. Then Jesus says, okay, but you're not going to bear fruit because you can't. The fruit you want to bear isn't going to happen, and the things that you really want in your life... See, here's the thing. is We chase after the world all the time. We chase after money. We chase after possessions. We chase after power and fame and prestige and position and popularity. We chase after all of that stuff. Guess what? You can get it all and still not feel love. You can get all of that and still not have joy. You can have all the world and still not have peace or patience or kindness or goodness or gentleness or self-control. Why? Because they don't come from the world. They come from the Holy Spirit. See, if you leave, you wither. If you leave, you wither. Verse 7, he says this, if, if you remain in me and, so now here's the second part of the conditional promise, if you remain in me and, it doesn't say or, but, or either, it says and. So now he's adding to this promise another layer. He's saying, listen, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. That's the first promise. Now he's making a second promise to you. If you remain in me and you remain in my words, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Answered prayer. Now here's the thing. Some people say, well, I, man, I, I did remain in God's word. I was studying it every single day and I asked what I wished and I didn't receive it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be, re, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know and test and approve what God's good and perfect will is. You see, the problem is, is this. There's a lot of things that I want and I'm praying for. And just because I'm opening up the Bible doesn't mean that I'm in line with God's will. But when I'm in God's word and I'm seeking his will, he's answering those prayers. That's the condition. If you remain in me. So if I'm in Christ, I want what Christ wants. Remember when Jesus was, was praying in the garden and Jesus was not excited about going to the cross. In fact, he asked the Father if it's possible to remove this cup, but not my will, but yours be done. So when we see this word the, in my words, the, the Greek phrase that's used throughout the book of John is, Ramada Tao Theo, 
and it means the message from God that Jesus speaks. When you see this, and my words remain in you, it comes out the message from God that Jesus speaks. Isn't that amazing that the words that Jesus said throughout the gospel is a message from God that Jesus speaks. All right, so verse 8. This is kind of like a pinnacle peak to me. When I see verse 8, I almost stopped here, but I felt like there was one more conditional promise that we're going to work with. But here we go. This is to my Father's glory. When I start looking at the word this, I underline it in my Bible. What is this? That. So the this is the that. You guys, my arrow is just in case you didn't follow all of the this and the thatting that's going on right now. This is to my Father's glory that you... Bear much fruit. So how do I bring glory to God, the Father? I bring Him glory by bearing fruit, but I'm not even the one bearing fruit because all I have to do is remain in Christ. So if I'm remaining in the vine, the Holy Spirit's bearing the fruit, bringing glory to God. I'm just holding on. I'm just holding on. (laughs) I I'm just blown away at God and how amazing he is. He goes, not only am I going to save you, like we learned last week, and I'm going to do all of these things for you, but just hold on to me, and the fruit's going to come, and when the fruit's going to come from me, out of you, it's going to bring me glory. You want to know how to bring God glory? Bearing fruit. How do I bear fruit? I remain in Christ. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. The fruit that comes from the Spirit through you, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control that's coming out of your life, proves that you are a disciple of Christ. See, a lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian. You don't talk like one. You don't act like one. You definitely don't love like one. You're not gentle like one. You're not loving like one. You're not peaceful like one. You don't have any self-control like one. Um, You know, if you look like a mule, you smell like a mule, you might just be a mule. See, a lot of times we like to use, we're like, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Going to church doesn't bear fruit. Remaining in Christ bears fruit. So just because you attend a church, just because you punch the card, you can teach a Sunday school class and not bear fruit. You can be a pastor and not bear fruit. Because fruit comes from remaining in the vine. That's where it comes from, not from attendance. It comes from the relationship that's happening between you and God Almighty. And when that fruit comes out of your life that you're not even producing... It brings glory to the Father and shows the world that you're truly a disciple of Christ. And all in all, my job was this. Remain in Christ. That's my job. As a believer, I'm just holding on and never letting go. Verses 9 through 12. Last, no, one more slide after this. Just to put it all together. As the Father has loved me, so this is Jesus, he's now going to give you the third, the third conditional promise. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So we remain in Christ, remain in his word, and now remain in his love. Here he says, if, there's the condition, if you keep my commands, 
you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in His love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I love how God makes this so simple. (laughs) Remain in my love. Okay, well, okay, how do I remain in your love? Well, if you um, obey my commands. Well, what are your commands? Love others as I have loved you. Love others as I have loved you. Woo! So then the question is, how has God loved you? That's the question I want all of you to think about this week. This week, I want you to wrestle with how has God showed me his love? Because in the same way he's loved me, he wants me to love others. So let me ask you this. Is his love that he's shown to you conditional or unconditional? So he's loved you even when you didn't deserve his love. Is that what I'm hearing? So do you love others when they're unlovable? How did he forgive you? Did he say, I'll forgive you if you uh, do exactly what all the things that I want you to do? Or did he forgive you because you asked him? Huh? Huh? So do you forgive others in the same way that he forgave you? Oh, oh, even better, while we're on this topic of forgiveness, how does he forgive you? When he shows you his love and he forgives you, does he make your sin as far as east is from yes? Is that a yes? Okay. Does he make you whiter than snow? Amen? Amen. Do you do that for others? Is that the kind of forgiveness you show? You see... The Bible tells us exactly what love is, and that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. It says this, love is patient. Are you patient? Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It is not rude. It takes no pleasure in, in evil, but rejoices in the truth. I'm skipping. Oh, you know what the one? Oh, man, did I do this on purpose or not? Well, you'll never know. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's what love does. How can I love somebody and then throw their wrongs all the way in their face all the time? That's not love. See, what Jesus is saying is this. I want you to remain in my love, and you remain in my love if you obey my commands. And then he makes it very simple. My command is this, very simple. I want you to love others in the same way I loved you. In the same exact way. You didn't, did you deserve God's love? No. Did you earn God's love? No. But he loved you anyways. And so he goes, I want you to do the same for others. Isn't God so amazing to make things so simple? But you're about to see something that you, that you missed. We're so focused on something that we missed something. And we're going to show it right here. Last slide. Putting it all together. Three conditional promises leading up to the ultimate reward of of, of just doing what God's telling us to do. If I remain in him, the result, you will bear fruit. And I should have wrote bear much fruit. Number two, if you remain in his word, prayers are answered. Third conditional promise, if you remain in his love, you will obey his Word, right? And the word is to love others. Why? 
And I'm not even doing this for this reason because it's not even with because of this. I told you all of this. Jesus said this. Remember a couple of slides ago. Jesus says, I told you this so that my joy may be in you. So it's not even my joy, is it? Jesus says, he's saying, my joy. So Jesus' joy is in you, and then your joy would be what? Complete. Isn't that remarkable? So all of this happens when I'm just hanging on to Jesus for dear life. If I remain in him, I'm bearing all the fruit, but he's doing the bearing. I'm just holding on. If I remain in his word, prayers start being answered. If I'm remaining in his love, I'm obeying him and loving others. And then the whole end result of it all is that I have a joy that comes from God. It's his joy made complete in me. Wouldn't it be amazing to have that kind of joy every single day? What if I told you, like if I was a salesman up here, and I was trying to sell you a joy that was defined a joy from God. If I had a little box, and this, and this box says, take this pill, and from here on out, as long as you're remaining in Christ, you're going to have this joy that's going to transform your very life. And I said, it's absolutely free. How many of you would love to have that kind of joy every day of your life? Well, guess what? It's already promised to you, and it's not in a form pill. Pill form, pill form. It's not in a pill form. It's already promised because it's built into a conditional promise that if you remain in Him, and you remain in His Word, and you remain in His love, His joy is going to be made complete in you. That's the promise. That's the promise. When you start thinking about it, like all these, like I remember a movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. And I started thinking about the whole concept of, of so many people is they just want to be happy. But I'm telling you, the joy transcends happiness. Happiness is built on emotions, joy is a state of mind for the rest of your life. And it's not even dependent upon you, it's dependent upon God, because it's His. And he's willing to give it to you when you remain in him. I remain in him when my life is not easy. I remain in him when my life is tough. I'm remaining in him when I'm in the middle of a storm. I remain in him when grief is upon me. I, I remain in him when it's raining. I remain, I remain, I remain. It never ends. I just remain in him. And if I can live my life and just say, God, I don't know how to do anything else, but the one thing I want to do in my life is just remain in you and you in me, then everything else is going to be okay. That's the promise. And when I do that, he promises to give me a joy. His joy. If you would bow your heads with me today. I'm going to stand over to the side here in a little bit. And if, if, if any one of you here today says, you know, I have never given my life to the Lord, and I really want to, and I don't know how to, but I need to. I'm going to stand right over here to the side. Actually, Pastor Paul's going to stand over here on one side, and I'm going to stand on this other side by the baptismal. We will lead any one of you that needs to be led to Christ to Christ.
There is no shame. Every one of us in this church that's saved has done this before. We have walked down a scary aisle and we asked somebody to pray with us. We asked them, I want to be saved. If you want to be saved, don't go home without doing that. Because I can tell you this, if you're not saved here today, you're the branch that's not remaining because you're not in Him. It means that inside you're dead and lifeless. But it doesn't have to remain that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Because we can, we can, the Bible talks about how we can be grafted into the vine. Today you could be grafted into Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there anyone here today that would just slip their hands in the air and say, You know what, I am not saved. But I want to give my life to Jesus. I, I don't want to go any further. If somebody's here and somebody's like, I need that. Would you raise your hand? There's no shame. It's the greatest thing that anyone can ever do. Maybe in your life you've been struggling to remain in Christ. Maybe you've kind of been remaining in yourself. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of us struggle with, with giving ourselves over to God fully. And we, we kind of have a habit of remaining in ourselves rather than remaining in Christ. Maybe today is something you need to come forward and just get down on this altar and say, God, today is that day. I know that I'm saved. And, and Lord, I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm just barely hanging on by a thread. But God, I am, I'm all in. I want to remain in you. And God, I want to do better at remaining in you. And God, I want to pray. And, I, and so maybe you just need to come forward and just pray and, and seek God and, and just say, I, I want to remain in you. Maybe you've been playing that prodigal child and it's time to come home. Do that. Maybe, maybe you've, you, you, you kind of realize in your life that you have not really been in God's word and, and, and your prayer life is eh. Maybe it's time for that to change. Maybe today's the day that you make a commitment to God and say, God, I want my prayer life to change. I want to be so in tuned with you that I know exactly what you want me to pray for. Guys, I, that's what I want. I want to be so in tuned with God and so close to Him that I already know what He wants me to pray for. Maybe you've struggled with loving others with the love that God has loved you with. Maybe we need to come down and we need to go ahead and begin to forgive some people. Maybe there's some people in your life that you need to forgive right now because you know that that ain't love. Maybe, maybe there's some things that you need to let go of in your heart that's holding you back from truly allowing God to love through you. So I'm just going to say, come on forward. If you need to lay something down, you need to pray. Maybe you just want to come forward and praise God for being the vine. Maybe you just need to say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for making this so easy for me. Whatever you need, whatever God is telling you, come do it. Don't wait.